0: So Rob, Rob, yes, hi. This is. I'm going to put this out there, even though it's at risk. Actually, it's at risk of losing me a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Which was the uh, the idea for family therapy. Ah. Family therapy assessment, where I lock a family in a room. Yeah. And I record them. I know this has
1: got a sound theoretical base. <laughs> yeah, keep going. I
0: lock them in a room. I record the family. Lock as they them, Lock yeah. Lock the room. I lock the room. That's a key part of the um, the ethics of the of the research. Yeah, we lock them in the room, and then we record them assembling a flat pack bit of mm. Ikea furniture. Oh, yeah. I what do you reckon? already
1: feel the beads of sweat <laughs> on my forehead as I pick up those stinky wooden chipboard pieces of that? Fucking bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, I know you love spending time with family. I've been there.
0: Well, and what did you learn from the process, right? You learned a little bit from the process. Trauma.
1: learned nothing. <laughs> I was just wounded. One Christmas night, um, after spending a pretty complicated day with my family, Lisa and I sat down and put together a uh, a dining table that, Lisa's folks who bought us for Christmas. Yeah. Ah, living hell.
0: (laughs) But you learn a little bit about how people communicate. Yeah. You learn about how power is distributed amongst certain members in certain areas. Absolutely. You learn what the priorities of peoples are. Yeah. You know, are they prioritising their family system? Are they prioritising themselves? Resilience. Yeah, and you had a very good idea earlier. Yep. As to what my uh, uh, pseudonym could be for the project.
1: Yeah, yeah, Rob's going to get himself a big fat, juicy government grant and he's going to go undercover and he's going to call himself Dr Alan Key.
0: <laughs> and welcome back to another Episode of the That's Rank Podcast. My name is Rob Pollard and this is another guest rank and we are welcoming back a previous guest ranker, Mr. Rob McCrill.
1: Oh, complete ranker. <laughs> You're a return ranker, Rob. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be rank again. It's good to be back in the ranking chair.
0: <laughs> well, we're welcome to have you. Now, Rob, before, just want to give you your own podcast a plug. You've got a, a podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. Diorama. Yep. It's a storytelling podcast and... uh in two years I've put out about six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, quality, not quantity.
0: But you're a meticulous Rob. That's why that's why Diorama is the quality that it is. It's yeah. because of the meticulous level yep. in which you, Rob McCrew, put into recording and editing the podcast. And you'll you'll put in music in the background, your script parts like you really do. it is really a little work of art, isn't it?
1: It is, and I'm enjoying doing it. And there's one um, that we've been talking about for a while, coming up soon, and it's uh, chats with my surrounding neighbours. Yes, uh, I've been winding myself up and warming myself up to doing this, and I'll hopefully crack it this weekend. But so it should be coming out soon, and it's on uh, iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. And yep. it's a picture of me and my dog Hazel <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, on the artwork. I like it, Rob. I like the I like the. Um Oh,
0: for all those people listening out there, who, who, because who, you've got a certain level of fame, that just the mere mention of just look for a photo of you, people will instantly be able to recognise yep. who Rob McCrill McRic- is.
1: Exactly. I have uh, no chance <laughs> if I decided to uh, enter a life of crime. I'm blind, legally blind, and I'm conspicuous. I've got all my cards stacked against me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Although, you know, that could actually be the... Um, the foundation of a great supervillain. Uh, it could be an assassin. Yeah, an assassin. Yep. And, you know, like the uh, the old uh, Japanese films. Uh, well, there's a, a tradition, there's a Japanese story about the blind samurai, Satoichi. And that character, that particular character, has been uh, a feature of many films. Really? Over decades, yeah. yeah and it's been remade a few times. Satoichi. Oh, interesting. Yep, the last one was by Takeshi Kitane. Who remade it, The Blind Samurai? Rob McCrill absolutely. The, the, the Blind Podcaster. You go from village to village with a, with a microphone <laughs> yeah. in like a little, uh, like a little thing on the side of your, um, a little holster on the side of your kimono, and I can
1: whip it you out, know, like, wh- and <laughs> wave it around theatrically
0: <laughs>
1: right. in the wrong direction, looking away from the people that I want to record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh,
0: so well, this is that the That's Rank podcast. Uh, you can find us at That's Rank pod at Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, and find the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Every now and then we like to bring in a guest ranker because we just like to bring in different, different tastes, different subjects. you know. And what we've been doing lately, Rob, is we're doing a live rank. We do a live rank where we spin a wheel and then in the moment we try to rank it. However, for tonight... We don't actually – because you're a guest ranker, we're going to be a little bit kinder to okay. you, Robin. We're going to actually we've, – we've pre-planned this one, haven't we?
1: We have. Mm. We've got some structure.
0: We've got a little bit of structure
1: this time. Do you, do you want to share what we're, what we're ranking tonight? We are ranking our favourite uh, from least – well, rank from five to one or three to one or whatever, our favourite music scores from movies yeah. or soundtracks. That's right. Oh, yep. or soundtracks.
0: yeah. So I've ah. just done famous film scores. Well,
1: okay, well, I've... Three to
0: I've, one. Have you got some soundtracks? I
1: have. Well, actually, some of the the, the films have got both, and yep. some have just made up of their soundtrack. The, sc- the score is actually um, songs. Yeah, right. So, wow, well, uh, yeah. Curveball. What about curveball? Because
0: I think as all things rank, we like to, you know, you like to uh, expand on the mm. idea a little bit, right? You can expand or you can contract into yep. f- more detail. Yep. We like to expand out a little bit here um, and we like to, you know, start somewhere and then see where it takes us. Pull a thread, see where it goes. Exactly. So I'm, we'll, I'm all open yeah. to your creative interpretations, Rob, as to what a film score...
1: Phew! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been awkward. Yeah. Yep. I was a bit scared there that you were yeah. going to sort of <laughs> say epic fail and you hit the stop button and <laughs> pull out a little whistle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, there will be a fine attached. We'll have to take oh. away some of your per diem, Rob. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, when you say
1: film, when I say film scores, what does that mean to you?
0: What does a film score mean?
1: Um, I remember when I was a kid and I'd watch a lot of old films on TV and the music they had in them was rubbish. Mm. I think a lot of it was just sort of canned and hasn't wasn't really thought about much. It was just sort of uh this fake music that they Put under films, mm. and then I started to see films that where they, clearly they'd um, realised that that the music actually said a whole lot, or mm. could say a whole lot about the story, yeah, 100%. or the place, or the characters, or the action, whatever. Um, and I, uh, that's what it means to me. Yeah, but yep. I just remember it, it, television um, and old movies had oh, just the most atrocious fake music. Which is the only way I can think of describing it. it was right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it is. I and film scores are a bit of a sensitive subject.
1: Ah, controversy. I love a
0: film score. Like a good score to a film or TV show. To me, it's half the show. You know, mm. it's half. It's, it's half the thing what you're watching. It all comes from that. Yeah. You know, in so many ways. So when it's done either lazily or unnecessarily, it really uh, bothers yep. me. Yeah, and I think you, often what you get in a lot of Hollywood productions, um, and particularly a lot of bad ones, is that you tend to find a lot of film scores that are just there because maybe because the movie's not working or the movie's bad, so yeah. just, they, 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 the score has to do all the heavy lifting. The score has to has to be telling you when to laugh, when to cry, yep. when to feel stressed or upset or or slightly anxious uh, about what's going on on the screen, and it just you know. It, 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 and, and I think that's when, when, the, when the score's doing too much of the work. Yeah. It's probably not a very good film. Yep. And then you just get this fluffy score that's just always there in the background, always just humming along. And I just, I don't like a score about purpose.
1: Did and you I, ever see a film called Roxanne with Steve Martin?
0: Yeah, of course. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, well, I, I love that film. Mm. That was based on the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. Because mm-hmm. the character's name in there was C.D. Bowles, and he had a massive nose. Yeah. And he fell in love with this woman, Roxanne, who was um, a uh, just gorgeous uh, nuclear scientist or physicist or something that was in the town. Yeah. And the music... As you do. ...in that yeah. film, yeah. I, I thought, you know, it, it was there and it sort of it underpinned the story a little bit. And I loved the film so much that I ordered the uh, score soundtrack to the film on oh, yes. CD. Yeah. What a pile of shit. <laughs> it was like... Glorified Mirzak. It was absolutely terrible. It just, as, 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 a, as a standalone piece yeah. at work, it just didn't work. Didn't it was work rubbish. At all. Anyway, I think I even threw one of the few CDs yeah, in my sure. history that I've actually thrown What's away. The
0: soundtrack for Roxanne. Look, it's not on my list.
1: No, I'm glad to hear that. Well, that would have been awkward, <laughs> that would wouldn't it? Really awkward. <laughs> uh, but I
0: do know what you mean because I'm a big. I I do get the scores. I, right. I go and find the scores. I like to listen to the scores. Okay. Yep. I like to just walk around. You know, in my day, sometimes and just listen to a film score. Yeah. Just to create that little bit of, uh, you know, that little bit of atmosphere to yep. my to my life and, and to how it's kind of panning out. It's beautiful. Um, yes. I think it
1: really peaked. Uh, I I remember the probably one of the first because they haven't always been available on. Um, On CD or record, the scores Mm -hmm. they're they're, they're hit and miss. But when Star Wars first came out, and they put they put the score music onto record and CD, they were just outstanding. And Star Wars is a benchmark in a lot
0: of ways in the film industry, but particularly for scores, right? Like it's the the the, the Star Wars music is almost as memorable uh, memorable as the films themselves. Absolutely, people haven't even seen the films would still be able to go, oh yeah, that music's from Star Wars. Yep. Because it's memorable, and that's the thing about... When I watch... Uh, and me and my friend Ben often have debates about this. When you're watching films from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example... Yep. Very few have great, memorable scores. Okay. Whereas yep. a great film... What separates a, 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 an okay film to a great film can often be the quality of its score and its music.
1: Yep, and its sound design as well. I mean, oh, oh, So many factors have to work uh, in unison for absolutely. a great film to be great. Because... Uh, I read somewhere uh, years ago and it really I was taken aback when I read it that they that they the sound the music and the sound actually provides things f- that the cinema can't like mm. h- bigness mm. and depth yeah and and scariness scariness well. is it a word <laughs> fear fear yeah <laughs> and it's the actual music and the sound design that that do that well
0: uh, it is it's it's yep
1: lot of those emotions. When I first started in film school,
0: I had this little idea for a film and I had this idea for a shot, you know. This was in the early 2000s. Yep. So this was all about the Paul Thomas Anderson tracking and the tracking shots. And when I say Paul Thomas Anderson, it was the Martin Scorsese tracking shots. But, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson did it again. Uh, we all loved moving the camera. Yep. And I started to try to move the camera. And then there was this one shot that I did and it just wasn't quite working. And then my mate goes, oh, well, it's because it's a... You, you, You've, oh, I didn't track. I zoomed. Ah, so oh. I zoomed instead of track because I wanted a really c- clear, consistent kind of move Yeah, yeah. So I zoomed, and I was like, "Why isn't this working?" He's like, "Well, because the eye can't zoom."
1: No, no. Zoom and is a yeah. Uh, it's
0: it's an unnatural thing, or when it, it, it is. has to. Be, it's not it's not the same as a track,
1: right? No, not at all.
0: And then he, this led on to this whole conversation about how the eye can't zoom, yeah, and how the eye also can't go into close up, and how the use of a close up in film, close up, is actually a special effect. Yeah. Yep, and I think the same applies to scores. Yep, musical score is a special effect. Absolutely, it's a, it's a, it's something that doesn't exist in real life. Yep, but when you apply it to a film, it it it, it creates a, a you know a magical kind of feeling, or it it creates the world of the film, it creates the character and the atmosphere and the vibe of the film. Like it does a lot of that world building storytelling technique. Storytelling, yeah, absolutely, yes. So it is a very important part. It's a bit of a beloved part of uh, Ah. film for me. Like I, I love a good film score. And if I go to a good film, it's often accompanied by a good score. And afterwards, I'll hunt down the film score and I'll be listening to the soundtrack in my own spare time.
1: See, I feel under pressure here because I didn't realise it meant so much to you. I, don't feel under pressure. I hope Rob. I'm not uh, going to trivialise or be flippant about this. No, or, that's okay. Don't or, I don't worry. want to offend you in any way. Mr. Rob, trust
0: me, you won't offend me in any way, shape or form. Dr. Alan Key. To my, just wait till you get to my second, my second one and okay. like, you realise that I don't, I'm, not, I'm not pretentious when it comes to film scores. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> so let's get, into, let's get into our list. <laughs> let's get into our list, Sean. Pressure be? is on. Yeah, pressure's on.
1: Okay, let's go. Do you want to go first? Uh, you have a guess. Why not? Okay. I have chosen, I'm not going to say how many I've chosen, but I mm-hmm. will ch- tell you my, um, uh, they're all my favourites, my list, but this is the lowest ranking one. And this is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh. 1968 man. Stanley Kubrick film. Yep. Now, I reckon, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure if I'm right about this, but... Stanley Kubrick, when he made this film, he chose classical music as the backdrop for a space movie. And I think that that has set the standard for uh, uh, space movies to have a uh, symphonic-styled score because of their uh, depth and bigness and Mm. uh, Mm. classical sort of timeless almost sense. And uh, there was a lot of... um, I mean, give me a sec. Rob. Let's have a, ah. let's have a
0: bit of a listen to it, shall we? Okay, here we go. Deep reverberations. I love it. <laughs> is this... What is this?
1: I think this is probably the... S- slowly builds, isn't it? It's the dawn of time, I think, when the monkey... Here we go. Isn't this glorious?
0: This is me. This is a similar thing when I go to my fridge to pull out a beer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this part of the score underpinned the beginning of the film when the apes finally ratcheted up a notch in their intelligence and one of them killed another one with a jawbone of an animal. Oh, how good is this song?
0: That sequence is incredible, that yeah, opening sequence. It is. And if you watch it now, like, it's clearly just human yep. beings and suits. Like, they're not fooling anybody.
1: But, but, but it doesn't matter. I watched it recently and it still holds together. It holds up. It's amazing. So there we go. That was my number five.
0: Did you just say that was your number five? Well, oops, I've just... Uh, <laughs> oh, ha. Oh, oh, <laughs>
1: Did you not get the memo, Rob? We do a spoiler we do a, alert. We do, a, we do, a, we do a, a three to one. We do a top three. Oh, actually, okay. Um, so that I don't um, kind of wreck the show here, um, there's pretty much this four, but two of them have equal second place because okay, they're, okay, they're, they're similar okay. genres or similar right. um, films made by the same dude.
0: Well, we have to. <laughs> so you've got four more songs to come, yep. and two of them are a joint number two. So oh, yeah. actually, so so really, 2001 a Space Odyssey is your honourable mention. So we would call that normally okay. as an honourable mention. Right. As an right. honourable mention.
1: I I well, read, I've I got, read, to, I've I got should, to keep my eyes on you. I've got to read my emails.
0: <laughs> where's, a, um, where's, a, where's an old bone when you need one? Oh, I know. I can pump, pump <laughs> some discipline into you. <laughs> Are you hot in that monkey seat? <laughs> What was the name of the uh, the computer system from two thousand? How how I knew the how. See if I had a how how might have uh. how might have ended up taking me to oblivion and, and, and ultimately destroying humankind. But at least he would have only done it. At least he would have followed the instructions. listening listen yep. to that song yep. again, yep. you know just how uh, classical that is because it just it, it, it speaks to triumph. It just speaks to. Yep. I wanted I wanted to stand up out of my chair just now. And like, 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 put my clenched fist into the air and go like, yes,
1: yeah, and that does that to you, right? There's a beautiful rendition of the Blue Danube uh, yep. in there as well at some point, and uh, in the whole, the whole film is just full of these like, yeah, um, yep. Beethoven type yes. uh, classical pieces. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. And you're talking about
0: the influence of 2001. I mean, it was a very influential film, and you oh,
1: know, it was yeah. the, the, the idea of the space
0: opera, right? Because yep. if you think about when that film came out, what, the late 60s, 68. 68. So that film came out in 68. We went to the when did we go to the moon? 69.
1: 69, absolutely. The, so, the 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 space race was on. Yeah. So, so if you
0: imagine like the
1: context of absolutely. when the film came out. Yep. Like the idea of going to space. We'd had a whole stack of Apollos and uh, you know we'd had one that was disastrously went wrong and mm. the whole world was captivated by mm. by the moon race. Yeah. So there you know the Academy Award that year uh, didn't go to 2001 a Space Artist. Do really? you know what film it went to? No idea. The Planet of the Apes.
0: Really? What a piece of poo that was. The Planet of the Apes won best film over 2001 Space It but won over 2001, it won over
1: 2001 and oh it was a piece of poo. Well, I Rob,
0: thought, the Oscars have never been renowned for... No. ...they're actually rewarding the best film. No. As no. much as it's the most prestigious, they always get it wrong. Absolutely. They and they in this case, they it did. But I'm yeah. even thinking, just, I'm going to... I mean, now that we've got... This is an, only an honourable mention, so I don't want to get too stuck in okay. 2001. Yep. But I do want to mention the fact that uh, if you think about space and science fiction of the 50s, science fiction of the 50s was lost in space, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was comedy. It was quirky. Yeah. It was a bit outrageous and a little bit, um, like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, glamorous. Kind of camp. Camp. It was like glam, the world. glam rock of movies. It was, uh,
1: it, 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 it was the
0: glam rock of movies. So then yeah, when you come out yeah. with 2001 A Space Odyssey, yep. and you just said a totally different tone, Yep, like that. That's why it's such a groundbreaking quality. Movie. Okay, yeah. Rob. Yep. Okay, you've broken the rules, so we're going to move on to
1: the the your actual number three, your rule number three. Oh, crikey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. all right, number, I, I, okay, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, which one? Uh, f- there's only one, isn't there? Full Metal Jacket. Uh. <laughs> 1987. Also, a Stanley Kubrick, I think, a film. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which which, which song? Oh, oh look, song? um, now yeah, I did. Where's my phone? Here it is. I looked it up earlier. The thing about let this. Me I, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro.
0: Hey! Oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now it, man, this it. this hey! score. It had, a, it had its own score music, but it was largely featured pop music, yeah. songs. This is a soundtrack. Yeah, this is yeah this is a soundtrack. Now, the reason it, they used it in the score, because what they've done uh, is they've used songs that kind of um, remind us of certain cultural times or times yeah. in history. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they really evoke so much, and I love it when a film uses a well-placed piece of pop music Absolutely. to do that, yep. it just makes my um, hairs on the back of my neck stand up.
0: When a, when a piece of pop music is used well in a film, and yep. I guess the, the go-to example would be Tarantino, but people forget the, the original masters of it, you know, yep. which is the Scorsese's of the world. Yep. Martin Scorsese was a, had an incredible knack for, uh, for putting other people's music yep. into his films. I mean, Godfather... Godfather... Goodfellas is a perfect example of that. But even just the, the beginning of Raging Bull. Yep. Like where he's put classical music all yep. throughout. like Stuff that wasn't written for the film, but he's just got this classical music and moments, and it just gives it this whole different
1: scale. It does. It it it, it really evokes time and place. It does. And, it, and also a lot of other cultural contexts as well, because we yeah. all... They're really personal things, pop pop songs. Yeah, and I, in fact, uh, Goodfellas was nearly on my list because that was a that had pop songs, but they were a bit quirky and they were quite old because that that sort of started earlier in the forties in the fifties, didn't it? In the sixties, mm, I think. Mm, yeah. Mm. So, but this one uh, has you know uh, Nancy Sinatra, yeah, um, and 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 you know um, the Rolling Stones. Yeah Paint it Black was it was another song in uh, in Four Metal Jacket just one I mean that is an incredible film oh it's an amazing film it's one of my favorites of and it just the, the 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 score and the soundtrack just uh yeah. just do it yeah. just add to it and when you think about the fact that they
0: filmed it in Britain in England you know, like, you go to yourself, oh, they couldn't They couldn't make yeah. a film about Vietnam in, in England, but they they did. Yep. And it was incredible. Yep. And even though you're not, again, you're not, like, it's like the guys in the monkey suits at the beginning of 2001. Yep. And you're watching it and you're like, this doesn't really
1: look like Vietnam, but then
0: you don't really care because you're swept up in the quality of the film.
1: And it was kind of a bit, um, uh, what's the word, it, not surreal, or maybe it, it did have a surreal quality because when they were out on manoeuvres in all those sort of miles and miles of burnt-out Bombed wasteland and you just felt that um, I don't know you just felt that despair yeah and, and occasionally if they'd come across someone and there'd be some sniper, but yeah. there'd be these buildings that were all bombed out, and there was fire everywhere, yeah even in the concrete, yeah, so that it it, it wasn't even super realistic, but then the
0: music is yeah. woolly bully well, yeah, so again it's that playing it against like off type in a sense absolutely like you're
1: in a war zone, yep, and you're putting on woolly bully yep. To yep. Kind of get through the day, and you know? and you know, bird is you know word word word. The bird is the word. That song, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You that, know, that, that classic. And, and there was another surfing one as well. You know that because that was where they had the sur- They went surfing yeah, yeah. on the helicopters.
0: <laughs> they had very much a very particular style, didn't he? Of uh, yeah, of of. of, of uh Music too, like a bit of a rockabilly yep. surfer kind of kind of vibe too.
1: Yeah, and I mean maybe it was because of the class. They tended to be working yeah. class, poor people who, yeah, did, who were the conscripts who fought. Yeah, um, and of course the guy who was the main character, he was a, a university student. Yeah, and he was yeah. a bit of a bit naive and yeah. wanted. To, he had, anyway. Yeah, so there you go. So that's um, Full Metal Jacket. Nineteen ninety-seven.
0: That's a great soundtrack. Mm. Great soundtrack. And So. so, so I'm going to give you, as you've got your two, your number two selection is two films. Yeah. You're very generous. That are similar related. I'm going to give you 2001 and Fullman Jack as your joint number three because they're both cubic films. Right, exactly. So you've gone for a cubic fly earlier.
1: Now, on. just chucking another one in. Oh, hang on. Um, uh, was, uh, I won't, I just want to say this as an honourable mention. An honourable well. mention. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. I was thinking that never. Um, uh, Jack Nicholson and, and Rich- Shelley the Duvall. The, the Shining. Shining. Yeah. Now, The Shining had a very oh, quirky a opening score to it. Really beautiful, uh, evocative music that just sort of captures the weirdness and the supernatural, kind of crazy, uh, dangerous feel to the film. And it was an amazing film. I
0: mean, oh. how is this as a film score?
1: Like, oh, what,
0: what always blows my mind divine. About, about these things when you get these great films is how do you just, like, how do you get a great filmmaker, a great actor, yep. a great composer all working at such, such a high level? On the, on the same film like can you imagine if the shiny had a bad score yeah I don't think Kerrick would have settled for it but what if he couldn't find it what if he what if they had to just have to release the film and he couldn't find the right music for it absolutely he would have been stuck
1: you know it, 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 this was a delicate balance and he got mm. it right mm. and I, this for, this started when that little Volkswagen that they were driving was heading along that mountain road toward that hotel yep from that, that initial long shot at, uh, when the film started. What a, what a wonderful film. I'm Amazing glad we're able to slip that one in.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we slipped that one in as well, actually.
1: Now, I've got to go for my number three. Now, I'm
0: actually changing my number three on the fly here, Rob. You've, wow. you've inspired me. You're a risk taker. Because Dr. Key. A lot of my honourable mentions, a lot of all of my ranks, actually, are by great composers, I think. Okay. And I'd realised that I initially I had the, the, the score to the film Fargo as my ah. number three, as my number three. So I'm just going to play. Not, I'm actually not going to be able to go with it. I'm just going to play it because this is the, one of the first times where I really noticed it. You know, okay. And what a unique score! And it just speaks so perfectly to the film, to the time and the
1: place it's set, Fargo, yeah. North Dakota, but also to the film itself. Is it North Dakota? I think so. Um, it does because the, the the where where the people lived, it was a bit offbeat sort of folksy, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And that, that, that score, the yeah. opening shot of the film is just a police car driving through yep. the snow down a road. It's just yep. one long shot. Absolutely. I and, and, r- love and it's, it. And it's just got that score in the background. And then when it kicks into the... Is it uh, Minnesota? Uh, um, I think it's Minnesota, which is... Minnesota. Rob, yeah. are, you, uh, are you challenging me here on, No, on, I'm on just... Uh,
1: maybe. Oh, anyway, but it's... <laughs> It's an incredible film because the the people had weird accents. They have weird accents. It's also it's an amazing dark, dark film. Yeah, and the 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 woman who plays the main character. Yeah, she's pregnant and she Francis McDormand, who is one of my favourites, Francis McDormand. I'm just going to tell you... Right she gets here, out of the car and vomits because she's got morning sickness yeah, because she's pregnant. That's right. What
0: a wonderful film. And right now, here you go, Rob. Fargo, yep. City in North Dakota. So I'll challenge you that one. That, oh. well, that was my number three, but it's not my number three. Okay. Oh, so, as, as you were, so you were right. As you were talking, I've decided to put another oh. number three in there. I've replaced it. And I've actually gone for a score from a documentary.
1: You're out of control, Rob. <laughs>
0: so the the, the composer... Is Philip Glass Aye The director is ah. uh, Errol Morris And the film is A Fin Blue Lion And I'll give you a little bit of the a... Beautiful This is one of the old-timers One of the old-time great documentaries
1: You know, I've never seen this documentary. Rob, Rob McRill I'll have to put it on my list You will oh. This is glorious, this music it's chilling, isn't it? Philip Glass is a,
0: an amazing uh, composer. Yep. And Avant-garde, New York. Yeah. The Finbow Line is also an amazing uh, film. So What's it er- about? Errol Morris, it's about subjectivity. and uh, It's about subjectivity in witness testimony in the ah. justice system of America. Wow. So okay. they focus on this one case and he deep dives into it. And what he does is he recreates the retelling of the story of the event of the crime right from all the different people and he gets the court testimony and he fi- and, he, and, he, and he films it differently each yep. time well it okay, it's films it differently Statistically, it's the same, but he, yep. the story changes because the story okay. of each person changes so as he's unpacking the crime, you know he repeats this same sequence, but he's consistently changing things here and there yeah and it's all all scored to this amazing music and this beautiful cinematography. And why it's such an important film is, during the making of the film, Errol Morris managed to record a testimony, an admission of guilt. So the Thin Blue Line actually got a guy off death row in America.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to. How did I miss this? You
0: have to watch it, and sp- I guess I should say spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 spoiler alert but that's why it's an amazing okay. uh, film because it is a film that actually got a guy off Defra in America they actually solved the it was a serial twenty thirty years before serial and they actually solved a crime and it's all scored to Philip Glass so when you listen to Errol Morris talking about the making of it Errol Morris then became one of the most influential and important documentary filmmakers Philip Glass became a significant composer yeah, yeah um, he's a legend he's an absolute legend and it all started with a thin blue line. So that's why I had to bump Fargo off the list and put the thin blue line. And as you can see just from that little score, like just an oh, absolutely
1: yeah. Yeah. spectacular little bit, of, uh, little bit of work. Yeah, unique. Unique. Individual. Yeah, really rich, beautiful. I'm going to have where, – where can I find it? I'm going to watch this film, this doco.
0: We'll have to we we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll find we'll, it. We'll find it. We'll find, find it later. We'll find it, Rob. So um, Philip Glass, Rob, it's very undulating. Undulating, Philip Glass. But anyway, that's
1: my, that's my number three. That's my number that's three. A great. That's a one I've never... never. I've sort of vaguely heard of it but didn't know about it, so I'm going to have to follow that one up. So my turn? Your turn, Rob. All right, okay. Now, I've got two more, two to go, but as this, I said, number two is your, is... your joint number two. Joint number two, and that's in contrast to uh, Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now, yep. um, where they've used really popular, well-known pop songs... Full Metal Jack, not, uh, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. Ah, classic. Quentin Tarantino. What he's done, he's used pop music, but he's mm. used quirky odd ones that mm. are a bit lesser known, but uh, he's done that. So he's done the same thing, but he's mm. made them a bit unusual. Like, uh, uh, And also Kill Bill, he's done the same in there as well.
0: I mean, he's, he's known for it. That's his, that's his special touch, isn't it? I mean, if you look at Reservoir Dogs, you know, going back to his first film, Reservoir Dogs. When you know the guy goes out into the car, he puts on the music. He goes yep. out to the car. The music dies off. while he goes out to the car? Then he comes back into the room. The music comes back up again. Yep. Then he cuts the guy's ear off to the little green bag or something. Exactly. The, the intro is little green bag. Little green
1: bag. Um, what does he cut the guy's ear uh, off? Steelers' to? wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. That's By one. Jerry Rafferty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, that's synonymous. I can't listen to the Steelers' wheel by Jerick Jerick, which I absolutely love. It's an incredible song, mm. but I can't listen to that without thinking about the, uh, you know, the context. The, the ear the cutting reservoir dogs, yeah. The ear cutting off. Now, in Pulp Fiction, mm. uh, there was uh, one particular song which you should play a bit of. It's called Strawberry Letter 22.
0: I'm not sure if we'd get away with the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. We're probably going to, get, from copyright point of view, we're probably sneakingly getting around okay, a few right. others. Now,
1: Strawberry Letter Twenty Two is by the brothers Johnson. It came out in the late seventies. Yeah. Now, um, in uh, Jackie Brown, which I think came out before Pulp Fiction, didn't it? Mm. When no after after was it? Yeah. Um, he used that same song in both films. In, oh, really? Now he he in Pulp Fiction, when um, Zed, yeah, was heading off to into his into his he, he, did he get killed Zed?
0: Oh yeah, Zed dead. Zed's
1: dead. Zed's baby. dead, yeah Zed's dead. as he was um, heading in. What's the name of the song again? It's called Strawberry Letter Twenty Three. And anyway, as he was heading through the block of flats to to, to, to his 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 uh, you know his death, yeah, as he walked past one of the flats. Strawberry Letter 23 was playing in the flat. Oh yeah. And he walked past it and he heard the music. So it wasn't even it was a sound effect. It wasn't it was, even. Yeah. Now right. now jump forward to Jackie Brown. The Samuel L Jackson's character. What was his name? The 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 the, the arms dealer in Jackie Brown. Yeah, I can't remember. Or um he uh, when well, he he killed one of his um, employees and bundled him into a, yeah. in the back of his car, yeah. and they were playing Strawberry Letter Twenty Three during that uh oh, that whole sequence. So the, he's used that song twice in in different films, and I think yeah, it's, right. it's almost a sort of like a, an indicator of doom. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so yeah, he, he's whereas the other films have used popular ones, he's he's picked some obs- obscure ones. Yeah, you know, yeah, like
0: yeah. Well, that's what, he, that's what he made his name. Like the Pop Fiction soundtrack really redefined movie soundtracks. Mm. Because the Pop Fiction soundtrack became a best-selling album in and of its own right. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, people, we had it, people would hunt it down.
1: I've got it.
0: Everyone was listening to that soundtrack. And, yep. and, and it really made some of the songs
1: on it. The Strawberry Letter 2023 20, 20, yeah. is a song that, when I was a teenager listening to 96FM on my headphones in bed, at late night, they'd always play the best oh, yeah. pop songs, and that would, when that one would come up, it was a real treat, Strawberry Letter 23. Yeah, right. Fantastic bit of music.
0: All right, Rob, so this is my number two. Right. And you may question this choice, as it's uh, artistic credibility, it's seriousness, it's real quality. But I would counter with this is, for me, and many people of my generation... An iconic soundtrack. And for me, as a, young, as a young guy watching action films, Arnold Schwarzenegger action films, this was the first time not only that I noticed the score of the film, but loved the score of the film as well, where I was like, what is that music? And when that score was playing during Predator, was I going, whoa. Like it, I could just tell that it was just giving this whole kick-ass quality. To, yep. the, to the film, and it is by Alan Silvestri, and is the theme song to the film Predator. I'm going to play a little bit of it now, Robert. Oh, it's a bit of a rumble. Can you feel the tension?
1: I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> what year?
0: Um Oh wow, I don't want to write it's like nineteen eighty seven eighty eight. Oh um eighty seven. Eighty seven, okay. But this is you know it starts off and it's the opening sequence here is of the spaceship coming down. Yeah, you look, you see this starscape, and then you notice that one of the stars is moving, ah, and it starts right. to come closer, closer, closer. And then it goes past the camera. And the camera swings around, and you realise the star is falling to Earth. Right. And as as the credits come up, and then now we about to, in a minute, we're going to get to the the central theme of the film, The Predator. Here we go. Arnie, <laughs> this is a helicopter coming in off the coast. And Arnie is coming in and is uh, landing at this weird, okay. this weird little beachside small army base. Uh, and one by one, through this background, this this music, the, the, the commandos step out. Right. You know, and they've each got a distinguishable characteristic to them. Of course. Like one of them's is, one is, one is wearing a suit. The other one's dressed as like a cowboy. One of them's like a kind of a nerdish kind of guy. You've got this indigenous American guy. And then there we go. Arnie steps out wearing this tight... Red T-shirt and this big cigar hanging out of his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> it's all to the sunset. But like this, this score is just for me an all-time absolute classic score. To this day, I love this score. To this day, I
1: return and watch the Predator probably about once a year. Can you buy a copy of just the score of that of can just you, the Predator? Can you just get hold? Can you get hold of these because? I, uh, I was saying earlier in the show that it doesn't seem it's patchy. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, um, whether you can get the score for a film, whether they release it on a CD, or it, they just do the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, it is. It is a bit patchy. It can sometimes be hard to get. Which sometimes, is a shame. sometimes you go to Apple Music. Yeah. And you open it up, and you don't even get the full thing. You just get like a like a little thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or two songs. Two songs, and then some of the songs are, 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 are greyed out because you oh. can't get them. Well, the ones that I hate are the ones that you get and you... Um, like, the, like, the, like the ones... Like, you get the score, but you won't get, like, the good pop song that they'll have at the end. Okay. Or you won't get, like, yep. the good thing that they'll have yep. in the middle.
1: Or the really bad pop song at the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh! Here we go, Rob.
1: <laughs> some bad shit's about to happen. Something bad's about to happen.
0: Oh! Someone has just got... Oh, Oh. and then here we go. I think, pretty sure, it's about to come into a bit of a a little, little bit of a melody bit. Yep. They're going to try to re. uh... Oh my god!
1: Running music. It's called the chase. It's called the chase. So virtually there you go. Yep, yep, yep. And you know, intuitively.
0: How good is this? Tell me, this is not a great score. It's
1: fantastic, but intuitively, we can we, we, we know we can pick up the language of these things easier, you know, better than we imagine. We we kind yeah. because we're brought up on it. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a, a another language. It is. Yeah. It is. It's. It's. Um, so I knew that was a running bit of music. You know.
0: Well, there is. I mean, tonally, right? So there's all sorts yep. of research that yep. looks at tone, musical tone language, particularly how children learn language, and particularly how people, like neurodiverse people, often, um, they, 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 they've they used music in order to try to teach and understand uh, yep. attachment to emotional language, or a link between emotional language. Um, someone, and this is not a this is not a, uh, a silly bit of research, like the Bunnings one, but people have done real research, particularly around... You dish, mean Ikea. The Ikea one. Yeah, we, yeah. We people, haven't people, started on the Bunnings we one We have <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Oh. The Bunnings one is about getting lost in Bunnings. Yeah, so the like $200 you f- you, shop. You give someone, you've got to go find a 2mm a oh. uh, X22 uh, washer. And, and, then then, the, and then you have to enter it and you feel like. The 20 the, staff that are in there on the all just whoosh, the, disappear. <laughs> So not the bunnies, the Ikea one. Not a red shirt done, found anywhere. Someone has done real research in you know, used <laughs> Disney films, Disney musicals, in yep. yep. uh, a way of kind of exploring this. And it's just fascinating. And when you think about how kids get told off, right? So if I'm talking to an adult and we're having a conversation, you're able to really understand the the uh, concept of I'm in trouble or I've done a good job. Yep. right? And all I have to say is, Rob, you've done a good job, or Rob, disappointing. Yep. You've, you've done that improperly. When you're telling a kid, you're like, Hello, Rob. <laughs> Rob, you've done a bad job. You know, there's That's a musical right. quality to the way we naturally talk to children, right? Yeah. Because it's an intrinsic part of us, how we understand emotion and how we understand the moment. And when you're talking to kids, you're like, good boy, Rob, good boy. <laughs> you know, you're putting a musical quality to your language, you're not just saying it. Do you know, uh, what, I, do you know what I mean? I do, I do. So it's kind of fascinating that yeah, film music has an intrinsic, the same intrinsic
1: quality to it, doesn't it? It tells
0: us everything we need to know. Yeah. And the perfect, the great films always have that
1: perfect like,
0: combination of
1: of, of, and, of of vision. And we're wired, oh, I think, yeah. from our years of watching television to to yeah. the uh, to the cues to, to the to the to the, to the lang- nuances of the language. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. So we're up to our number ones, Rob. Right. <laughs> Me, my turn. Yep. Okay. Now this one. <clears throat> back in nineteen eighty, I remember being. Uh, how old was I in nineteen eighty? Um, 20 yeah, and I had plenty of money I had plenty of time and no responsibility and I remember sauntering into the city
0: You had plenty of money as a 20 year old in 1980 Rob, in those days
1: you must have been on the dole No, I was working, I was yeah. working <laughs> Actually back then on the dole you could actually afford to live yeah. <laughs>
0: Those are the days. No
1: forty day equivalent, forty dollars a day equivalent no. back in the back in eighties, no. no. and I thought I'd go and see a film, and I didn't really know what to see, and I saw this film, and I thought, oh yeah, that sounds like a like a go, yeah, and I remember going, I remember exactly going into the Cinema City in in um, in, in Hay Street there, and I watched this film called The Blues Brothers. Oh. now The Blues Brothers came out as a bit of a sleeper, mm. like it wasn't heavily promoted, but. I started watching this film, and I could not believe what I was watching. Yeah, it is yeah. this the most outstanding kind of uh, unique, you know, uh, um, individual. You know, you, what's the word I'm looking for? Unique, uh, uh, just a fresh idea. Yeah, and the the music because uh, the, the music was actually the score was. A character in the film, yeah, because the people were actually singing the songs, yeah, who were characters in the film,
0: and it literally did go to the little moments, right? Like it went to it went to a little musical moment, like a like they're in a, they're in the scene. It was lots of those, and then all of a sudden, Arifa Franklin starts singing. She's in the respect, the and then everyone starts dancing along to it. It's an absolute classic.
1: Film. Yeah, and, and you know, um, John Lee Hooker is out in There's like a street market, yeah, and John Lee Hooker's out there, and he's. Um, he starts singing and they dance yeah. to him as well. Yep. And yep. Cab Calloway, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the back back then. I think it was uh, Dan Aykroyd because they were they were Saturday Night Live people, weren't they? They were, yeah. And I think maybe the Blues Brothers might have been like a character thing that they did on there. Ah, yeah. But yep. they uh, Dan Aykroyd was a real fan of old fashioned rhythm and blues. Now, yeah. because nineteen eighty, it was sort of like um we were getting into the. Um, you know, computer music, and disco. We were just yeah. getting out, getting out. We were just getting over the disco thing, and all that stuff was really out of vogue. Mm. And a lot of these act, these old singers were, were were really not making much money and not getting any work. Mm. And you know, like uh, yeah, Cab Calloway, Ray Charles, John Lee Hooker. Um, uh, who else was in it? I can't remember now. Uh, and a lot of those session players in the Blues Brothers band, which was a put together band, they were all. Actual musicians. Legit yeah. rhythm and blue, And it was just this incredible thing. And it's probably my it, – it's, it's, the music is wonderful. The soundtrack album was yeah. a, a major hit yeah. and it really uh, r- injected life into that old music. Absolutely. And it, it uh, it's just – it probably – it still ranks up as my favourite film of all time.
0: Is it your favourite film? Okay, it's an absolute classic.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and and certainly the music was incredible, and it was yeah. had a rawness about it, and I uh, had a kind of a low budget sort of mm. feeling about it, pretty mm. feeling. Mm. Uh, but I know it cost an absolute bomb to make. Yep. Uh, and they, I think they wrecked 180 cars when they made it in in the uh, in that big chase scene. Wow. And you and you <laughs> you can see it too.
0: The stunt work of those car chases. Oh, they, you know, they were. It now. They're, they're actually on the streets of Chicago. Yeah. For real. They were. You know. Doing that. They were. Um, it's unbelievable. And I, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, just showed his stepson the boys' Brothers. Right. Um, and the stepson, who's, a, uh, who's uh, like a teenager, he's lived his whole life in Japan. He's, a, you know, he, he, he's just very much been very much raised in Japanese culture. You know, got to sh- got to see this film, The Blues Brothers, and absolutely loved it. Like loved it. Yeah. I particularly loved the moments of like the end when they they go off the um, the Nazis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Nazis drive off the end of a bridge. Yeah. And then the very next shot, it's like they've taken a car up in a helicopter about. A kilometer up in the sky, and they've just dropped it. Mm. And then you just film this car just dropping to the ground. And it makes no the, sense.
1: They've gone off this little bridge. Yeah. And then and all falling. of the And then it just falls some more. Yeah. yeah. Because it was a great comedy. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was absurd. Yeah. And it's It's just a cracker of a film. But yeah. the music is incredible. I mean, I remember yeah. as, a,
0: as a kid, I, I loved it. As a kid, we had the, the soundtrack as well. Uh, the old Rawhide, for example. Yep. And just, I just remember loving the, the music from that. And it introduced me to a whole generation of musicians. It introduced me to a whole bunch of music I wouldn't have
1: otherwise yep. really found out about. Yep. If it wasn't for the Blues Brothers. Uh, um, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. She'd just made Star Wars. Yeah. So she was a hot property. She was yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake's girlfriend. That's right. Twiggy was in it. Twiggy, the famous 60s model. She it Was Twiggy in it, was she? She was the uh, one at the servo that Elwood stood up. And took pinched her money to pay for his petrol. <laughs> yeah, so so there you go. So that's my number one. That's number one. Well, classic film,
0: uh, famously bombed on its release, and has since become then an iconic, well, classic of a film. Like I said, it 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 was a sleeper.
1: It, yeah, it was it was. Uh, and I had no clue about it. And I remember going in there thinking, oh, this I'd seen everything else probably. Mm, mm. And I thought to myself, what is this? I've it was almost like f- f- uncovering an amazing hidden secret. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, I'm Rob's due to watch it again.
0: Yeah, me too, actually. Me too. Yeah. All, All right, right. So my number one. Number one. So I couldn't – this was hard for me because I couldn't do – oh, sorry, I've got cables and stuff. right here. I can't do uh, a top three film scores rank – without ranking and paying homage to and and paying my respects to the master of film scores. Ennio Ennio. Morricone. Morricone. Yeah, Morricone, is it? Yeah. Is that the Italian? I've always said Morricone. It's with a
1: C. It's Morricone, Morricone, Morricone. Anyway... You know who I'm talking about.
0: Ennio Morricone. I'm going to say the way I've always said it. Ennio Morricone. You you do that, yes. Italian composer. Because like your address, I've probably got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Did get a phone call from Rob on his way over today. Uh, About 200 houses in the wrong direction. Um, Trust me on this one, Rob, trust me. Ennio Morricone is legendary. Legendary, yeah. Yep. Uh, and when people think, I think of famous film music. They think immediately of spaghetti westerns, right? Yep. You, you, bet. Think, of, you think of the good, the bad, the ugly. You think of Once More Time in the West, like, yep. you did, and that was all Ennio Morricone. And yep, he also did a lot more stuff. You know, he did. he did The Mission. He did a whole bunch of other more serious roles. You know, he was really widely adopted in Hollywood for, for years. And yeah. he only died yep. in the year twenty twenty, and he was working all the way up through to the time of his death. He really? was yep. still producing scores. But I guess we probably know him a little bit more now is because he's known um, particular or he's brought back into a certain relevance by, as you've already mentioned, Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Quentin Tarantino uses a lot of his music, and particularly in the Kill Bill films, and then Django Unchained and then The Hateful Eight. You know, Tarantino then went on to a huge, a huge Western, Western bender. Yep. And, he, and, and Tarantino, like he did with Pop... He went and found all these kind of unknown Morricone classics. You know, because there's some great Morricone classics. like There's the score to the film called Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Yep. With a Clint Eastwood Shirley McLean one, which has got a great little kind of banjo, just kind of like bing, 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 bing just kind of going in the background. So as my number one, I'm going to go Larina, is what it's called. Yep. From Kill Bill. And I'll just play it a little bit in the background as we go. Okay. And it's from the sequence when she's in... Have you seen Kill Bill? I have. Kill Bill 2? Seen them all, loved it. So loved she's, this is when she's buried in the dearth and she's got to yes. climb her way out and she's yep. kind of going back into to her. To her... She goes back into her memories of, 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 of learning from her master how to do the, the one-hand punch. And Morricone, you just know that you're listening to an NEA Morricone song yep. when you hear it. And I... Couldn't describe. I don't have the musical knowledge to describe. Yeah, what it is, words. what it is about it. Yeah. You know that makes yeah. you kind of go, this is, yeah. "This is this is an But I tell you, when it comes on,
1: no, nah. you just know it is. It is that that gives it away. That
0: gives it away. And, and this just was, then that whistle, this, yeah, that
1: whistle. I think yeah. it's the whistle. I think it's also the the pace. See, I didn't know that about uh, that, but uh, I do remember that the felt that the music was noticeable and quirky. In in Kill Bill one in, and two, yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: again, it's a collection of stuff. So it's yep. a collection of stuff from all over. But okay. he does he does use a little bit of Ennio in it, um, and in particular this in this moment, um, in another moment from a, he uses a this is from a film called I think El Mariachi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's and that's what again going back to the old Tarantino thing where he'd find these he'd find these classics right yeah. wow. like, out of nowhere, um, and then you would have the horns. The drums kind of come in the background. And look, this song goes for five minutes. And if you ever watch the Spaghetti Western, you know, the one thing Spaghetti Westerns don't oh. do not do is they don't rush.
1: No, they sure don't. No, no, no. <laughs> Trinity. And Trinity is still my name.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> like that end sequence of The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, that's, yep. that showdown, that standoff. Yep. That must go for like seven minutes of <laughs> <I've> just like <laughs> this photo of staring, the photo of staring, the photo of staring, the photo of staring, the wide shot of all three staring, back to photo of staring. But God, they're so good. They're great. I think the, 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 the word kick ass yeah. goes for Spaghetti Westerns, it yep. goes for any Morricone because he just kicks ass to the point where if you're in the cinema watching this stuff, you want to get up out of your seat.
1: Yeah. Right? Yep, and cheer. (laughs) Here we go.
0: And I think he did a lot of choir work Mm as well. He adds the choir work in there.
1: I'm just playing it out. Love it. I think I need to watch Kill Bill. You need to watch Kill Bill. Kill Bills again. It's it's incredible.
0: I think my cousin's coming over on the weekend, and I'm going to, she's, uh, oh, 15, 16 now, is she? She's 16. Yep. And I'm going to watch Kill Bill 1 and 2 of right now, because I've got permission.
1: Then <laughs> yeah, we can watch the, uh... of Passage. The, she's old enough to uh, watch Kill Bill 1 and 2. She's old enough
0: to watch Kill Bill 1 and 2. Now, do you want me to, go, I mean, it has got a minute 20 to go. Let's just play it out, Rob. So any e. Maracani is encapsulated by my number one. I'm going to pick La uh from yep. El Mariachi. But I mean, and really, I want to reference and, and pay my respects to the whole Maracani uh,
1: repertoire uh, catalogue. Absolutely, catalog. and and you're right. A lot of it would be locked away in films that you probably wouldn't have you wouldn't have no. the opportunity to. Uh, See too often. No, that's right.
0: So the, the real classics are "Fist for the Dollars" for a few dollars more, "The Good, Bad, the Ugly," and yep. uh, "Once Upon a Time in the West." Once Upon a Time in the West, you know you've got the uh, the man with the harmonica is the classic from that one. Yeah. This is another one. This is another one from *Kill one and two. This is another any american one. You may remember this one from. This is when they're in the, the final battle, and they're coming up to when she calls out, "Oren, Oren, Oren." and is she in the in the restaurant she calls her out oh man she, she calls for the final while this song kicks in so it's going to go back to that choir work that we talked about before in a second and it's got this little barb, barb, barb. <laughs> I think that's a staple for the Orokani stuff he's always got something like that there's the whistle again
1: yeah yeah
0: Power, right? I will not give it a sec it's, it's a big As I said before Morricone takes his time <laughs> <laughs> Here we go <laughs> like what Wow is he? What are you even saying here? I don't even know this is what it, doesn't it doesn't matter It doesn't matter Tarantino's repertoire so he goes he doesn't put the songs from the ones put come in the west he goes back and finds Death Rides a Horse right
1: and this is from the, the film Death Rides a Horse the quirky songs like uh, yeah in um... not the super well known stuff no 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 just no. the great songs the, the, the that quirky are pop more, songs yeah, yep. yeah like in Jackie Brown and uh, Pulp Fiction
0: So um, Ennio Morricone, the Larina is my
1: number
0: one. Number one. But uh, yeah, I really want to go back and rewatch some Spaghetti Westerns after doing this list Room,
1: I, I remember going February. to the cinema and watching uh, Trinity, and Trinity is still my name. Mm. Did you see those? I've never seen any of those. They're...
0: Uh, By Eastwood Films?
1: Ah, uh, not really. No. But they were classic Spaghetti Westerns, so they yeah. had... um. They just had all the ingredients. Mm. Um, there was a guy called Bud Spencer who was the guy that played Trinity. Mm. Um, he was a greasy, kind of sweaty, gritty kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that sounds like he's right up my alley. Absolutely, my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any honorable mentions, Rob?
1: Well, I recently saw a film called The Third Man. Ah, yes. With uh, Orson Welles in it. Yeah, right. Now, the opening piece of music is – it haunts me. I, I've only seen the film recently because I heard that it was a film that you should watch before you die. one of the best films ever made and it is an incredible film but the opening piece of music, it, it was, was oh, played by on, a, on a, a quirky instrument called a zither. Do you want me to play it? Have a go. Just yeah, yeah, roll some out. Okay, here we
0: go. Criterion collection.
1: Have a go. Yeah.
0: We're making no money off this podcast, Rob. So I'm literally banking on the fact that none like all this stuff is available online for free. It right? is. I'm like, I didn't put the pop music in because pop music's a little bit different. Uh, yep. This stuff's actually just accompanying the the, the visions and generally mm. it's older stuff, so I'm hoping we can get away with it. I'm Absolutely we can sneak it out. Yeah.
1: See so how we go. So the Fed man's we'll Keep our heads down. Yeah, but don't tell anybody. It is. It's one of the. It was ranked as one. It's probably the best British film ever made. Well, there we go. Big Ben. Yep. The music is haunting, and I've been thinking about it on and off since I first, since I saw the film recently.
0: I tell you what. How I, I would have been love would have loved to have been born. This one. Here we go. I've heard this track. Graham Greene yep and if you can't say so if you're listening at home the opening title is a series of strings yep yep and you can see the strings being played yes to
1: make the to make the song They're but amazing. The, a, a unique zither instrument
0: so that's real so the zither has must be like 20 yeah. strings on it
1: it's kind of like in the guitar family <laughs> But uh, that quirky piece of music, yeah. just heralded uh, it. Ushered in this incredible film, which yeah. was quite quirky itself. Wow. Have you seen it? No, nope, never seen this. Uh, one, man. It's a must see.
0: I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. I'm gonna. Ha- I've been really uh, re- uh, lately. I've been really thinking about watching some old films again. I find it in the moment. I find it often, sometimes hard to go back and to watch them. Mm. And oh, they're never available on the streaming services that no. you subscribe to. No, they're not. The seven streaming services that I'm subscribed to, whatever it is. And you go, I want to watch that film. And it's not there. It's not it's there. Very yeah. So we've really got to find a way of like finding a way of uh, holding on to these things in the streaming oh. universe. The I find
1: See, I've got a bit of a bucket list of these things that I want to see and mm. i like double indemnity. Yeah. Uh, and the only way I've found of doing it is is getting them on DVD or Blu-ray yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or ordering them, buying them online. That's the only way you can do it. That's and that's way fine because, yeah, you know what, down. they cost $10 these days. Mm. They're pretty cheap. Mm. So uh, I bought a third man. Um, there you go. Loved it. Loved that piece of music. So I never mentioned mention, say,
0: so we're talking about film scores. Got to shout out John Williams. Oh, and Star Wars. Wars. You know, Star Wars, but also Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, some real classics to, to Williams but he's not alone oh. he's not alone people always reference Williams but there's some great artists I want to also try to think of who did this one now I'm pretty sure it was Alan Silvestri Alan Silvestri doesn't get the same kudos right. as John Williams but Alan Silvestri did this little one see if you remember this one see if you recognise this one Rob <laughs> recognise this one? I do
1: That Star Trek,
0: no. So, so yeah, I mean, Marty. Oh, uh, we've got to go. Of course, Back, back to the Future. To the yeah.
1: Future.
0: I thought uh, John Williams did. I thought John Williams did it too. Back to the futures. No, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri, who also did Predator. Uh, Carter Burwell. Carter Burwell is uh, he did Fargo, which was going to be my number three. Yeah, he's done a yeah. lot of the um, Coen Brothers stuff, and he's done some real classic classic hey. stuff.
1: One more honourable mention. Speaking yeah. of the Cohen brothers, uh, hang on, or Farrelly brothers, like, which, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> the Farrelly brothers, yeah. Farrelly yeah. brothers. They did me, myself, and Irene. And yeah. the um, music in there was uh, music from Steely Dan, who was my all time favourite 70s, 80s yeah, right. rock band. Fantastic band. And there was another band doing Steely Dan covers. So that was one that I I, I love as well. That was that just right at my alley. Well,
0: that's, you've, you've just really referenced a film that I'd like to see again. Me myself and Irene. I, think, I wonder how that film holds up now because I have a feeling it might be quite the.
1: Can I tell the you for, a bit of, the forerunner? Yep.
0: Please do.
1: The forerunner of.
0: Well, it's a very influential film. Like I just have, I, think, I think Me Myself and Irene was very unique and probably quite a influential film for its time. Well, I
1: have a bit of a connection with me, myself, and Irene. do you? Well, one of my side projects is to, to, uh, and I've started doing it, I've started plotting and planning, is to make a a documentary about albinism because I have albinism. It's a uh, genetic condition of the skin, hair, and eyes and um, lack of pigment and stuff. Anyway, anyway, put that aside. In the film, me, myself, and Irene, there was a guy who had albinism. He was yes. a character and he worked in a, uh, a cafe and as uh, Jim Carrey was rampaging around the countryside being crazy and being sane, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he he held ridicule at this guy. Do you remember that bit? I do. Yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. and of course the guy with albinism, whose name was Whitey I think. Yeah. Um, Casper. Wh- Casper. Wh- Whitey. Casper, his name was. His nickname was Whitey, but his real name was Casper, as in yep. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, he God. tagged along with them and uh, and it was uh, – uh, anyway, I am friends on Facebook with a guy called Michael Bowman, who is yes. the actual guy that played Casper oh, from me, myself and Irene. And right. I'm hoping uh, – we're going to actually – he keeps saying to me, we've got to talk, we've got to talk, we've got to catch up because we've got this – yeah. Conversation going, and I'm going to actually interview him for my episode in my podcast oh, yeah, about yeah. pop culture and how people with albinism are always portrayed as bad guy, as as evil assassins, as uh, as supernatural, and as bad guys, yeah, or as yeah, objects yeah. of ridicule. Anyway,
0: yeah. So what else is there? Oh, well, I, I, I mean, you have told me about the Dock 8 Project 4. yeah let not, not the a cat out of the bag too much, Rob, right? because people might steal that idea because that's a great idea. That's a story that hasn't been told. That's a story that we need to get out. Well, there, it has
1: been told, but has I'm going to tell it in a more thorough sort of uh, yeah. fashion. I've got about 11 episodes from this audio. It's an audio um, podcast documentary, and uh, I've got lots of people on board. Really? Including Michael Bowman, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, uh, well, uh, yeah.
0: We look forward to it. Yeah, so we look forward to it. And when you've uh, when you've got that, 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 that podcast series up, we'll have to cross promote it. We will. On the that's we will. Rank podcast. Yeah.
1: So, so, yeah. So, so, and that's interesting because that's a that's a real live film there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I love the music in that. Yeah, I love the Michael ba- Michael Bowman. Doesn't he regrets doing it? Does he? So, uh, yeah, he, he really. He. Uh, he it, said. Did he make,
0: make much money from it? Did you get paid for it?
1: I would have done. He was definitely would have been paid, yeah, uh, yeah. but I yeah, he was doing a proper acting job. But he regrets it. But he kind he of was figures uh, he the, even though they tried to make the character a more sort of average character, they still indirectly made him an object of ridicule. Yeah. Anyway,
0: so. like well, his name was Casper and White. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Like they didn't try very. <laughs> no, no. They, <laughs> They tried a little bit, though. Yeah, they yeah. tried a little bit. But anyway, so there you go. Um,
1: so interesting how, um, yeah. uh, you know, things... Six degrees of separation. That's right. Yep. So other, other, other honourable mentions. So Danny Elfman
0: has to be an honourable mention. Um, Danny Elfman did The Simpsons theme. Did uh, a lot of the Tim Burton stuff. You fantastic. He's just done a huge amount of, of, of big Hollywood scores. Beautiful. And recently performed at... Um, at Coachella, if you uh, know the big music festival Coachella, he's in yeah. his sixties and he did a rock gig at Coachella. And he, took, <laughs> he took his shirt off, and the guy was like fit, yeah, like fit as, oh. like thin and fit, <laughs> and tattoos and red hair, and he's rocking out on stage during uh, a lot of his film scores. And then, of course, the modern the modern film score maestro would have to be Hans Zimmer. Oh, yep, who seems to get every big film score gig. Yep. And um, he did June this year, and he's did done all the. He's the new John Williams. Williams. He's a new John Williams. He did all the new Batman films. And yep. He yep. does all the Christopher Nolan stuff, and oh, oh, quite, I mean his scores are memorable. Like I, I give him that. Mm. Like he him memorable yep. scores. Yep. Um, which is, I think the sadly it's it's few and far between finding good memorable scores, and, and these days I think where you, where, you, where you get great music is actually a lot more these days. I think in television. Yep. Because the market. In television, is more around small market stuff, so small obscure stuff. Yeah, um, yep. You get a lot of great, a lot of great content in TV, but like you also get some good scores. Uh, and Euphoria is a show I think that's got great music and a great score that kind of
1: runs through. If you haven't,
0: if you haven't seen that one, check that one out. So Rob, I think we've come to the end of our
1: of our rank.
0: Is there anything you'd like to say? Any final thoughts? We've
1: come to the closing credits.
0: We've come to the closing credits.
1: No, I think um, I've got nothing else to say <laughs> except uh, uh, I am going to start listening with a third ear to score music in films, and maybe I have to. I am going to have to definitely watch the Thin Blue Line. That's uh, that's on my list.
0: Another great one I remember, mentioned is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. that's do a lot of good music. Um, but I am going to put on this one as the last little song. Which is the theme from In the Mood for Love, which is one of my top five films of all time. Oh, really? The Wong Kar Wai film. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen what the In the Mood for Love?
1: No. Absolute beauty. It ranks up there as a, a top... Oh, it's um, one of the greatest films Yeah, I made. knew that. Um, a,
0: it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a love story, but yep. it's a complicated love story. But it's just, you know, shot by Christopher Doyle, set in uh, 1950s Hong Kong, and scored... By this theme, by Shigeru Umabayashi. And this is, I think, the theme that we'll go out on tonight. And I always finish with a bit of a final thought, but you've had a final thought yourself, Rob. Thanks very much for coming. To Pleasure. the episode of the That's Rank Guest ranking. Good to be a part scores. of it. As we sign off, we just encourage you, next time you're watching a great film, you're wondering, why is it so good?
1: Get closer to, to those yeah. speakers and... Cl- close your eyes, get closer yeah. to the speakers and listen. Break it down in your mind. Yep. Hear the music. Hear the sound as well as the actual watching the pictures. Enjoy. Enjoy. Let's just fade out this ah, too many movies, too little time.